Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ, and then to be sanctuary to each other, and express sanctuary to this city. And so, for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. My name's Tom. Uh, It's so good to be together, isn't it? Amen? So good that God is here, and He is just, I don't know, just encouraging our hearts and speaking to us. If you have a Bible, could you turn to the Gospel of Mark? Gospel of Mark, if you don't have one with us, uh, with you rather, there are some brown ones lying around, grab one. Uh, it will come up on the screen. But if someone could read for us Mark chapter 6 and verse 45 to the end of that chapter to uh, verse 56. We're going to be a bit interactive just to sort of warn you okay so uh, we believe that's the best way to learn is through us being in relationships so who wants to read it come on i know lots of you are closet actors and actresses i will pick on someone i'm mirth thank you billy here we go great <laughs> Old man! Okay. Uh. <laughs> he saw disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they, saw, they, they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. They had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Thanks, ma'am. Wow. Um, I know sometimes if you have been around the Christian faith for a while, we can kind of get used to these stories, but they're crazy. Uh, they're just kind of crazy in the best sense, with reverence, God. Um, so what we're going to do is, I'd like us to get into a few groups. I'll direct us, and we're going to ask two questions. What? does this passage tell us about God? And the second question we're going to look at is, what does this passage tell us about people? So again, one of our values as a church is that we believe in discipleship, not just attendance of a meeting. So we would encourage you in the next five minutes to participate in these groups. Don't worry if you don't want to, you don't have to, but we do believe a learning experience is much richer when there's little moments at least where we can kind of interact, which is one of the reasons we love more intimate settings because it keeps that dynamic alive. So 
these, these you guys on this side, over to Billy. Um, you're going to do the first one. What does this tell us about God? So maybe uh, if you want to be in a group of four, something or three or four, so maybe you guys want to turn together, you guys on the sofa area, maybe you could be a four, you guys could be a three. Just ask that question, what does this tell us about God? You guys over here, what does this tell us about people? So you could maybe just go with your, your uh, rows, if that's easiest. There's roughly three or four in each row, or you could do two threes at the back. Um, let's jump in, push through any shyness, and just start chatting what comes to mind, okay? Again, like with the Alpha course, there's no kind of right answer. We just want to let the Word of God dwell in us for a few moments, and then we'll come back together. Go for it. One more minute. Great job, everybody. It's a joy to hear a hubbub. I know, it's painful. I, I love this bit. I, I know when you're in the group, you're like, be quiet, preacher man, I want to talk. So, uh, sorry about that. Um, let's have a little bit of feedback. Anyone from this side of the room want to give us one of the things that came back? Just speak nice and loud, and just just quick headline sentence or two. What does this tell us about God? Just shout it out for the recording so it's, it's nice and clear. Group at the back. He is divine. He is divine. Absolutely. Yeah, God, Jesus, divine. Not just a man. Wonderful. Anything else? What's this tell us about God? Uh, Mike brought up, and I thought he thought this was really cool, that uh, Jesus was going somewhere else and he, and he noticed that they were struggling. Right. I love that. Jesus was happily diverted. Great. It's wonderful. Isn't that wonderful to our souls? Anything over here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was really responsive and reactive. I love that, Sam. Like got in the boat. Yeah? Yes. Yes. That's right. Man, so, such a simple story in some ways, but so much depth. Anything else? Just his faithfulness, that he's faithful yeah. um, to his people. Um, yeah, and will provide when we need it. Yes, that's right. It's recognizable. So two times in the story, like, he's recognized. Okay. When he gets right that's great yeah recognizable distinct he has authority like the people listened when he told them to go the disciples get in the boat and then the, the wind dive down mm-hmm. and listen and this is great you guys are preaching my sermon for me it's just it's, <laughs> it's the aim of it actually to be fair you know rather than it all being from me this is wonderful what about this side what does it tell us about people brendan Yep. to go see this guy because you've heard that he can do healings, that is an act of desperation. Right. That's somebody who's all out of options. They have nothing else, nothing left to try. Mm-hmm. And so there's a very desperate quality to this, especially if these people were not already converts. Right. These are people who maybe did, had not met Jesus and had just mm-hmm. heard rumors through word of mouth of, right. of what he could do. So there's a lot of desperation there, but the flip side of that coin is that they're also expressing 
tremendous hope because they wouldn't be making that effort if they didn't think that it might work. Uh, so right. Right. How about, uh, yeah, yeah Ryan. <laughs> That's quite profound. People are going to be people. Yeah. Their first instinct was fear, but Jesus being so, you know, lovely, he doesn't go, hey, I'm recognizing all the way now. Right. Yeah. He poured his love and he persisted to this and let them know who he loves. You know? That's so good. Kind of, it's very real, isn't it? People are people. That's just good. What about these couple of groups? Anything else? Tell us about people. Yeah. Yes. That's huge. With the crowds, just with word of mouth, just coming and saying, oh, if we just touch mm. the tip of the globe, mm-hmm. then we will be healed, right? So yes. It's, it's people, right? That's and right. We can, we can be in those two kind of places. Wow. We can be in the same person because we're in a place of you know, trusting God, even just coming out of a miracle everywhere. Yep. Absolutely. That I think that's brilliant for the recording that just Victor commented on that kind of almost deliberate contrast, it seems, between the hardness of the hearts of some and the, the, the desperation and softness of the hearts of others. And we can, we can be both in one day, right? Anyone here? <laughs> in one hour. Um, any, anything else to comment on the people side? We were Victor stole it. Did he steal it? Oh, <laughs> I was thinking like a lot of that, like just seeing the feeding of 5,000. Yeah. And you kind of think, what is the, why are they not full of faith? And I almost, you almost feel like tiredness. Yeah. Really like the major thing. Yeah. That is meaning they, I don't know, that, that like humanity. Oh, just, goodness. They're just tired, they just want to, they just want to, they don't want a big event, they just want to be in a boat and get to where they're going. <laughs> yes. So just how tiredness and just needing yeah. your own time and space yeah. can actually get in the way of what God wants to do. That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is fantastic. I'm not just saying that, but you guys are scholars. <laughs> Say, I'm a scholar. I'm a scholar. <laughs> um, seriously, though, we believe passionately like that anyone opening the Bible, just giving a bit of space, God does speak to you. You know, those thoughts, they're not just your thoughts. We really believe that God actually through the Bible. So I just want to actually bring together a lot of what you've said just for a couple of minutes before we respond in a final song and break bread. The way I would put it, my summary of much of what has been said, is that I've called this like a God storm. God storm. It's a, a, it, this, this first incident, which I'm going to focus on, is a God-ordained difficult thing that they have to go through, right? It doesn't just happen. It's not just a coincidence. It's a deliberate, challenging thing that those disciples have to go into. And it reminds me of the fact that if you've been following the Christian God, Jesus, for any length of time, is it not true that he kind of very often allows you and I into these kind of difficult challenging storms of life. Give me a nod if you agree with what I'm saying. Yeah, there is a false 
Christianity being presented in many parts of this country, which is, if you follow Jesus, your life will be shiny and happy and prosperous, and you'll never have any problems. Sorry, I should do American accent. But, you know, it's absolute baloney. Say baloney. Look at that. Contextualizing the British man. Baloney. It's not true. And this is so important. So there's, there's God storms. There's storms that are actually precious gifts that we see here. Uh, but they're scary. I hate storms. I mean, I really hate challenges. I am sensitive. I like comfort. I like control. Man, you know, the more you meditate on the storms that God brings to his followers, the more you realize, wow, this is a big thing. I need them. These storms are essential. Like this storm actually reveals their hearts. It's going to build something in them. They're essential, but they're scary. They're tough. So how do we actually become a bit more au fait, a bit acquainted, a bit more sort of okay when the storms that Christ brings our way come our way? And there's two things I want to look at here very briefly that I think really help actually because the storms, I'm afraid, are here to stay. Until you go to glory, challenging relationships, difficult work situations, disappointments in your marriage, disappointments in your singleness, disappointments in your physical body, etc. Storms are here to stay. How do we actually kind of become a bit more subtle, uh, sorry, not subtle, supple to the storms? There's two things I want us to look at. Number one, notice, and if you're taking notes, this might help. Notice how Jesus like leads them into the storm. We'll look at that, but it was already coming out from what you said. He, notice how he leads them in, but secondarily, notice how he also leads them then through and out. Almost like lungs, breathing in and breathing out. This is not a random, chaotic moment, actually, although it feels like it for them. There is a beautiful kind of way of God that is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the same God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and David and these disciples. He's the same Jesus. That's why the immutability, that's a long word for the unchangingness of Jesus, is such a big deal. Because if he's the same Jesus... He's going to actually deal with you in a similar way. And so the storms are real, but they're going to be, in a sense, trackable and traceable. And what we see is six kind of verbs, six action words that mark out the way he leads them in and then the way he leads them out. And you were actually, you were, you were noticing them with me. Six action words that we see in these two sort of movements of, of this storm. First of all, we see that he made them get in the boat. Secondarily, we see that he then left them. It's interesting. Thirdly, he then saw them. Fourthly, he then went to them. Fifthly, he then spoke to them. And sixthly, he then climbed in the boat with him. Hallelujah! He is the same God. So let's look at those uh, those six actions under these two banners, these two sort of categories of how he works for us. First of all, notice how Jesus leads them into the storm. The first word I want to look is just notice here in verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples. You see, often in our culture, we say things like, I don't want to make you do anything that you're uncomfortable with. Right? Anyone? <laughs> That's the culture we breathe, we breathe, you know, like the talent sort of, We'll do anything for the talent in, this, in the Bay Area. If you're a good person who's skilled, we'll give you 
unbelievable, you know, job money and food and endless annual leave. We don't want to make you do anything. We've got to prize the talent, right? That's the culture we live in. Oh, how different it is with Jesus. He loves you. He loves you, but he will make you. He made them. The Greek, it's forceful. It's actually the same word that's used sometimes when he's expelling evil spirits. There's a forcefulness. He made them leave. Think about that. That in the land of the free, which I love, we got our green card, we're with everyone. But in the land of the free, think about this. The Christian God is your boss. He's the Lord. He's Adonai. He's not just your buddy. He made them. Say made them. Feel that word. When was the last time you felt the Lord make you do something? You know? Like even now I'm asking like, is there a, 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 you should be acquainted with that feeling of like his will kind of actually leading your will. Even Jesus in the, in the garden was like, not my will, but his will. Even Jesus. You see it throughout. You know, to follow Jesus means that he makes you do things. He, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He also makes us become part of local churches <laughs> when sometimes we don't want to be. He makes us give financially. He makes us forgive, right? These are not things we naturally want to do. He makes us get in the boat of being faithful in that job, even though it's really hard. And you think, I just so want permission to get out. He's like, no, no, keep going. Now, this is incredibly important that you have this as part of your theology of God, that he is the Lord. Now, he's kind and he's loving and he's always good. Amen? Amen. Always good. Amen? Amen? That's really important as well. But he, he made them get in the boat and then it says he left them. Do you see that? I think in the next verse, after leaving them, he went on up onto a mountainside to pray. Now, we know the Bible tells us that Jesus, I will never leave you or forsake you. So in an ultimate sense, you are never left alone, right? But is it not true that at times you can feel like he has kind of left you? Anyone here ever would say, yeah, I, I, I have felt that. I've often felt that. Not necessarily his presence, but sometimes I feel left by him in terms of his provision. Yeah? Like, I, I'm not saying, you know, I, I try and pray and I think normally, yeah, I can sense, I think he's there. But there are many times when I think, God, I feel kind of left by you by the fact that you haven't supplied this thing in my life. And some of you even now, you may feel that. You may feel like, uh, you know, I, I do still believe in God, but I kind of feel a bit left by him, Tom, to be honest with you. And again, in certain circles of church world, you can feel like you're sort of failing him if you think that. I often say to my kids, my beautiful teenage kids and my almost poppy-aged kid who's almost a teenage kid, um, like, doubt is normal. Let's just get it out into the open. It's okay. You see, psychologists say that humans have different emotional, like, thermostats. You know thermostat? Some of us like it cold, 
Relationships very formal. Some people like it. Hey! <laughs> you know, snuggly wuggly, let's have a cuddle. And everyone's a bit different, right? Now, what's interesting is this is Jesus who loves them and is going to die for them. But he does leave them. He actually leaves them. Now, he's in control. But in a sense, Abraham, Sarai, I'm going to give you a baby. Brilliant! And it's almost like he leaves them. Like decades go past. Friends, the way of God is he is always good. Say always good. But he does, he does give you a sort of holy space to emerge. You have to, it's like a, you know that caterpillar chrysalis illustration? You heard that probably millions of times. Have you heard that? You know, like a little caterpillar has to fight to get out of the chrysalis. If it's helped too quickly, it, it doesn't build the muscle and therefore when it's out, it dies. It needs the fight on its own to build the muscle to become what it's designed to be. And just as Abraham Sarah says, they grew in faith, kind of on their own, as it were. They weren't actually, but it felt like that. This is, this is actually strangely good news. You've got to understand Jesus, he will make you do things and then he will at times almost make you feel like, wow, is he here? Is he here? I had a time a year or so ago, I was at this leaders retreat thing and uh, they said, with two chairs, summarize how you feel with God at the moment. You being one and then the chair being God. And uh, this was in the middle of COVID, so everyone was very, very, uns- very sad. And I literally, in front of all these people, got my chair, that's me, got the other chair and walked to the other side of the room and had it facing away from me. I just feel so abandoned by God. Not in terms of his presence, when I just sit there in prayer. I don't feel like he's, but I do in terms of his provision. I just feel like he's, he's giving the things that, you know, the daily bread, right? So you may feel something like that. And I guess I, I want to almost encourage us you know, we sing about the goodness and the kindness and the faithfulness of God. A.W. Tozer famously said, the Christian God is a God of love, but he is not a sentimental God. And that's actually helpful. Because if we don't have any kind of reference for those times that feel confusing and where he feels like he's left, even if he hasn't, we can actually deconstruct our faith entirely, which is so sad. Because the Bible gives us space for this element of the Christian life. So first of all, then notice here, we see how he led them into this storm. Maybe um, at the moment you feel like God has been leading you into a place. Maybe there's things that he said, get into that boat of that relationship or that thing in your life, that geographic spot where you're at. And in a way, it may even feel like there's some kind of um, leaving. But our God wants us to understand those are the times where we lean into trust, even if we emotionally don't feel an awful lot. You know, there's a term that many commentators are saying about our generation, or our generation, the younger generation, which is... (laughs) Uh, expressive individualism which has come out of the renaissance which is basically this idea that i am what i feel so if if i feel this particular identity or gender that's that's what i am and it's not all bad right because we are emotional beings but when you literally leave that unchecked and your emotions define everything about you you become quite vulnerable 
because our emotions are really unpredictable things. So we have to both honor the good of that culture we live in, but also say, wait a minute, but, but they would have felt left and Jesus ultimately hadn't. Friends, if you feel in that place, God is closer than you think. We then secondarily see this a second main move. He, first of all, how he led them in. He made them get in the boat and then he kind of left them. But secondarily, notice how he then came to them and how he led them through and ultimately out of the storm. And we see these beautiful, delightful four words about God, which are the same ways in which he works even now, 2,000 years later. Notice he sees them, he then comes to them, he then speaks to them, and then he climbs into them. These action words, these verbs, oh, they make me so excited that God, he, he helps us understand what the leading into those times is like. But then what's so powerful is whilst they're in those storm times, we see, we have this kind of bird's eye view from God of actually the reality of Jesus. Like these are his kids. You know, these are his delightful kids. He's not like, oh, I'm bored of them. I'm off. No, no. First thing we see is he sees them. Say he sees them. And can someone shout out, what are they doing when it says that, John Mark says that, that he sees them? Verse 48 is the clue. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. He doesn't just say they were rowing. They were straining. That's a little detail. You see, every human, we are designed to be seen. I mean, any of you who've had kids or can remember your childhood, every child demands one thing above everything else. What is it? Attention! Look, Dad! Look, Dad! Look, Dad! Look, Dad! It's true, isn't it, Lily? You know, there is... And it's natural. You're designed to be seen. I think particularly, to be honest with you, in times of pain and times when you've done well and you want a bit of glory. Right? Anyone here? Those are two, I, look at, I think those are the two big ones for me. I've, I need to be seen somehow. And I don't think that's wrong. Here's the key, though. When we don't realise that Jesus of the Bible sees us straining in that friendship, straining in our singleness, oh, straining in that work that I just want to get out, straining with our parents, straining in this new city that feels really weird and hard and expensive and lonely, straining to forgive when I feel really hard done. If we don't know that Jesus does see that longing to be seen and honoured in the pain, we can so easily go to, to wrong places, right? Secondary places, human places. I know I can. You know, where you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. And then you overshare, which I'm sure none of you have ever done. And I look back and, wow, I feel a bit weird. I've said too much. Way, way too much. Too, TMI, Tom. Oh, yeah, it's because I was longing. I'm straining, actually. But our Jesus... Listen, friends, he sees your strain. Most of your bosses don't give a about your strain. They go, solve it. Go away from me and solve it, right? Is it, is it not just my experience? The world we live in doesn't tend to communicate, I see how much you're doing and it really moves me. Some of us have grown up with parents who 
did not communicate, you are really seen. You're really seen. But Jesus sees you even today as you're straining. I wonder what in your life may be that thing that kind of feels just like a slog. It's a God-ordained slog. You know, it's interesting that Jesus told these guys to go to Bethsaida. So here's a map of the lake. They were in the north. He says, go to Bethsaida, which is in the east, right? They're straining for like 10 hours in this terrifying storm. The Lake of Galilee was eight miles wide, the same as the bay. I hate flying over the bay, landing. Anyone here, especially at night, I get creeped out as it comes near the water. The idea of being in a little boat for 10 hours in a storm in the middle of that kind of water is terrifying. It's not a joke. It's not, that's not like, oh yeah, ha ha ha. No, that's scary. And Jesus said, go to Bethsaida, which is in the east. They never seem to make it to Bethsaida. If you look on, the next place that comes up is in Gennesaret, which is on the, the other side. So think about this. It seems that Jesus sent them into a God-ordained storm to row in this terrifying experience for 10 hours or so, and it wasn't even ever getting about to Bethsaida. It's almost like he doesn't care really where they're going. They end up in Gennesaret on the other side. So this isn't even an efficient storm. Do you see? They, they, they're going the wrong way, as it were. But Jesus doesn't ultimately care so much about your efficient plan for your life. He's watching the character that's forming, or not, in that storm. But he sees you. But then secondarily, I love this, he sees them and then he goes to them. It says, shortly before dawn. Did you notice that? When is the darkest time of the night, apparently? Apparently it's just before dawn. I don't know if that's true or just some sort of poetic truth. But it, I've heard it said that the darkest hour is just before dawn. And it says here, shortly before dawn, he went out to them. So Jesus, how does he lead them out and through the storm? First of all, he sees them. If you're in a storm, if you're straining away, rejoice that he sees you. Now, I, and I just want to say, you can actually grow in feeling his pleasure over you. It's actually possible. You, I, in the last year, and Billy and I have talked about this several times, Billy's a uh, friend of mine, some of you know, I, he's like, how are you doing? I said, you know, I can feel the pleasure of God over my life more. It's almost like a physical feeling. It's really amazing. I, like, I, I feel more hidden in some ways in what I'm called to do here. But when I'm talking to that neighbor or I'm talking to that person or I'm making that decision, I can literally like t- feel heaven. like what? The way that you're loving well, one person, I can feel it. It's really weird because I'm used to living off the energy of like people and it's starting to shift. It's actually, it's like what Jesus, you know, it's like I'm doing the will of the Father. I want to say this is an actual area of growth I believe God really wants to, li- to lead you into. He sees you and then he goes to them secondarily. He's not just someone who sees you and watches and go, go for it, Tim. Go for it, Kelsey. He actually goes to them. He is a goer, not just a gusher. Yeah? <laughs> We live in a land where people are like, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, you can count on me. No, I can't. (laughs) 
I mean, Flakeyville, right? We live in a place where people, unfortunately, I'm sure no one in this room, um, but on occasion, promise a little more than actually we deliver. I certainly have done that. So I remember in the move to America, actually, getting really hurt by one friend over here who kept on promising so much. And then they just, honestly, they were just totally passive. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, like your actions as well as what you say, are actually almost more important. It's not just you saying nice, I need you to help me do this. So Jesus physically comes. And there are, the Bible tells us that God is actually coming to you all the time. That's why he says, count your blessings one by one. That's why James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Do you see, if we don't realize that God is coming to us, that those clothes on your back, that friendship that you have, the coffee in your stomach, the food in your belly, simple things like that, as well as the more sort of higher level things we might say. These are gifts. These are, these are specific gifts Jesus is giving you. That's why one of the things I felt most uh, led to recently is thankfulness. Just thankfulness. Literally just cultivating thankfulness. It's dynamite. Now, you might think, oh, Tom, I've come all this way to church and you're talking about thankfulness. I want some high-level theology. Listen, I tell you, when you start to thank God, like we sang at the beginning, I thank God. You know, it's like, it's one of the most profound things that can change mental health more than anything. If there's nothing else you remember from this sermon, please, if you're not consciously, as a, as a discipline, thanking God out loud or on paper or in some tangible way every day, Oh man, we have a liar. Satan is real and he wants you to focus on everything you do not have and it will kill you. We are blessed. Amen? And not, I don't just mean that physically. I mean, we are so blessed. The Bible says if you know Christ, you have every single blessing in Christ. That You have the attention of God himself and he adores you and he, and he knows how rubbish you can be and he still adores you and he gives you blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Man, it's, it's extraordinary. It really is. He comes to you and he's coming to you. It's not like, oh, he will do one. He's doing it even now. If you are, for example, getting vaguely excited by what I'm saying, that's a gift of God. In you go, hmm, that smells good aroma. Yes, I feel something in me saying that might be true. That's a gift of God. That's the risen Christ coming to you across the lake. I'm giving you myself. I'm giving you faith. I'm building you. And it changes how you see reality. That's how the Christians can even go to their deaths. Because they're not feeling like they're victims. They're feeling like, well, to live is Christ, to die is gain. There you go. Boom. Even dying, I'm not ultimately a victim. I'm a blessed one. He comes to us. And then it says, third action, well, fifth action word, he spoke to them. He spoke to them. I love this. Take courage, it is I. Take courage. Take courage. Man, the power of a certain person's voice, you know, depending on who that person is, can just change everything. The power, Jesus doesn't just come and, and, and uh, show them that he sees them, but he speaks to them and he says these words that, again, in the Greek, ego emi, or emi, are the exact same words that you might recognize from the Old Testament. You remember in Exodus, there's that bit where God tries to reveal himself to a guy called Moses 
and he just says, I am who I am. It's like, how, how does God describe himself to an ant? It's a bit tricky. So he just says to Moses, I am who I am. It's the same phrase. Jesus is using the same phrase. For a Jew, they'd be like, oh my gosh. Listen, in the middle of the chaos, before the storm has even ended, this holy tractor beam of words in God's presence comes into their hearts. Take courage. And at this point, the storm hasn't gone. He's saying, take courage because I'm with you. A mighty, big God is with you. I'm with you. The voice of God changing things. Again, think about this. Um, What's interesting, many psychologists would say that children growing up need certain key, uh, key things from their parents for them to be uh, healthy individuals. There's a guy called Adam Young, who's a great Christian therapist, and he talks about the big six. You could Google it later if you want. It will ruin you. Uh, but it's an amazing talk. And he says, for example, he says you, there seems to be some key things that children need from their parents. Number one is attunement, which means your parents are actually communicating to you, I see you. I'm kind of in tune with you. Number two, kids need responsiveness. That their parents actually don't just see the child in, in difficulty, but they respond. Another one he talks about is the ability to help your children emotionally regulate themselves. Yeah, that's why, shh, you're okay, shh, as a child. And as parents, if you're a parent or if you've grown up with parents, their job is to help you stay calm and grounded when things are difficult. Now, you just think about it. This is modern psychology that is saying these things are essential for the development of a healthy child. And now we see Jesus. He's attuned to them. He comes to them and he speaks to them. It is I. Isn't that wonderful? These words. It is I. You see, that is why for us as a church, we believe in the Spirit of God. We believe that God speaks to his people. We believe that the same Jesus, yes, through the Bible, but through the Spirit, he wants to come to you even now. You're probably carrying in, most of us, some anxious presence, often, normally in life. And we come back to the great King, who isn't phased by the storm at all. He sees it. He sees the straining. He honours your presence. But ultimately, he comes in and just says, it is I. Isn't it true there's certain people who just their sheer presence... And a few words just bring a different atmosphere to your life. This is what Jesus is doing here and he wants to do in your life. Where might he be speaking to you even now? Just think about it. What might he be wanting to say? Yeah, that area of your life that feels somewhat out of control or like, you know, there's an anxiety around it. Where might he even be saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I was talking with a father figure of mine recently about lots of different things. And I, could, I heard myself kind of bringing it this slightly sort of panicky, you know, and this sort of the, all these different options to him. And he was just listening. And I was like, I wonder, I think it might be this thing. But I was, you know, worried that it might not be the right thing. And with his big beaming fatherly smile, he was like, sounds good, Tom. Sounds great. I was like, really? 
are you sure he's like absolutely God's with you son he's with you he's leading you I was like oh, okay and I realized oh yeah like he's not angry with me he's not expecting this sort of perfect I don't have to be some sort of spiritual ninja who just always gets it exactly right Jesus says take courage I'm with you maybe he's giving you the choice maybe he's allowing you and the final thing we see is he speaks to them but then he climbs into the boat with them which I love I just love that picture like he doesn't have to do it he's just like oh we're gonna get in with you lads you know he's just like oh budge up and then he gets and you, yeah, they're just there like freaking out they think it's a ghost like Ooh, you know through the hey boys here he here he comes but he gets right in with them and then it says when he climbs in what happens to the storm it goes it's only then when there is that level of intimacy with Jesus does the storm actually go he wants your hearts as well as your heads many of us stand at a sort of safe distance from Jesus right I'm a Christian up here I believe it but having this God really close is that can be a little scary maybe some of you are finding over these these weeks and months in fact I kind of know it that as you just are coming and you're gathering around the word something's happening in your soul in your spirit in your emotions it's no longer just this I'm a Christian it's like I'm a Christian and it's wonderful and a bit scary all mixed up amen he wants your heart he wants your closeness and what is amazing he climbs in even though their hearts are hard it's not like and Jesus seeing their soft healthy hearts honored them with his presence by climbing in it's the most amazing beautiful picture of grace he gets in to their boat even when their hearts are really hard hallelujah it's like you can't stop him he's still coming to you I love the word of that song your goodness is coming after it's coming after it's coming after me it doesn't say your goodness is coming to me when I've got a soft healthy heart some of you got hard hearts right now and God is still coming after you I love the words of this other song there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up you're coming after me there's no no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down you're coming after me Christianity is not ultimately about you doing anything for God it's not ultimately about you being active for God it's not ultimately about even you pursuing God it's about him pursuing you him being active for you him knocking down walls smashing down wrong ideas he's the same climbing God of the New Testament isn't that wonderful that's why we can actually ultimately rest we can rest knowing Jesus your God not I you're strong not I you're active not I I mean ultimately sometimes all we can do is just bring our hard hearts I'm like well here you are if you want me God and he's like that's enough I'm coming 